I was cracking open a uh, um, victory at sea and it started to like spew out of the can like way too fast. And I started sucking on the foam like, and I inhaled a bunch of it and started choking. And I'm like coughing up a bunch of foam a few minutes ago. I'm like, man, I do not want to die choking to death. Holy shit, that's scary. Yeah, that would, that would be kind of a drag, you know? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it was kind of surprising. It was like, <laughs> I'm like coughing and trying to get anyway. So uh, anyway, uh, shall we start? Yeah. Welcome to Scatterbrain Podcast, episode 117. Holy shit, we're getting up there. I know. Still a ways <coughs> away from episode 200, though. What were yeah. we going to do at 200? There was somewhere, let's see, 200 was, uh, hmm. oh, yeah, that's right, the Scatterbrain Cult launch. That's the right. Cult launch, yes, at episode 200. <coughs> yeah, back to uh, the well, grind, huh? Part of, part of the whole cult thing is you have to join our, our Twitter followers, Scatterbrain Pod. And while you're at it, you should also join, be part of the cult by joining the Instagram following group, Scatterbrain Pod SD, as in San Diego. Uh, speaking of social media, Ian, I was wondering if we should consider releasing some of these episodes on YouTube. What do you think about that? Uh, I'm fine with that. I, I'm, all I really watch is YouTube anyway. So, like, you know. But do you consume podcasts in that way? On YouTube? No. Uh, does anybody? Well, yeah, some people do. But some people actually like, film themselves or videotape themselves as they're doing the podcast release it that way so you see their faces you see them talking joe rogan does that too fuck joe rogan anyway um <laughs> you don't have a camera so that would be well, a start <laughs> even if i did i don't think i'd want to do that i mean maybe just release the audio on youtube that'd be fine yeah I agree. i'm not a huge person for posting uh-uh. personal stuff online help us grow out a little grow the listenership a little bit because it'd be just another venue of of doing it you know it's easy enough to i mean to do that so might as well oh, certainly us, certainly just do it and then we'd, we'd have to go back and re-release all the old stuff too we could do that so i told you that one video that i had all those viewers it's just continuing on dude what are you up to right now uh let's look i haven't looked in a couple days i'm telling you I'm, I'm telling you it's gotta be it's a bots bot or something. it's gotta be bots it's but gotta be 40, gotta be. 40 of them so what oh my god okay here we go in the last 28 days yeah my channel where i post nothing i know essentially <laughs> has 64.6 thousand views with a watch time of 714 hours 181 new subscribers now what's interesting though is i thought yeah bots 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 right but do bots, it, do bots subscribe i'm sure they do okay having you know hundreds of return viewers 51 over 51,000 unique viewers I what? guess that's a lot of bots. That's bizarre, dude. It's it was stuck at how many views forever, right? Like a, a hundred or something? Or no, well, actually, a while. I, think I might have told you this offline years Sorry. ago. This video is from like four years ago or something. It was just from some wrestling show I took my kid right. to, and we were in the front. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, they're right here doing some stuff in front of me. Let me just get a little video clip here. Well, apparently, it was part of like a turning point in the story or something. So I think that maybe why it's getting more and more traction but it had you know i was surprised to see that it had like five thousand views a couple years ago you know oh wow that's <laughs> well that's a lot too man yeah but then which okay so that makes sense it was some part of a significant plot twist and the, the story that i just happened to catch and okay great but then years later yeah this thing has thousands 
thousands. Blast, Let me look at my YouTube channel. Let me look blasted at the, out of control. The screenshot you showed me. I'm just like, what? How's that yeah. even possible? It's crazy. Let me look here. Now, now I, I got there must have been if it's part of a story, there that must have been a part of the story going back, and something dramatic happened in the story of the two of the two guys or whatever it is. And and people are going back to check what happened in the past to tie it in somehow, and it's just taken off. Yeah, so, I mean that that's what it is, and it's getting it just looks like it's getting thousands and thousands and thousands of, of uh, recommendations. So like, you know, when a video ends at the bottom, it says recommended, you know, I th- right. that's where it looks like a lot of hits are because it shows you your source and that's 80% of them or something like that, you know, but it is, <sighs> let's see here. So this video is You're getting thousands a day though. Yeah. Like anyway, for a while there, it looked like it was like about 6,000. <laughs> that's nuts, dude. That's yeah, nuts. Yeah, this video has <laughs> 74,000 views. And then there's another one of mine that has 2.2K. But those are outliers. You know, I have like Slayer videos, eight, 900, you know, like Overkill, a few hundred. Okay. Yeah, that's nothing. I have like music videos and, and stuff with Stan and stuff um, that you could see on Mr. Rictus Grin on YouTube. How's that? Maybe that'll help. There but, you go. know, those have, I have a few hundred on a couple of them, like nothing, you know. I think the biggest one I have is um, when we were at the Anthrax show and I recorded uh, Cotton Amash. That's a pretty good recording just for on a phone. And that like got the first night got like over a thousand views. I was shocked. Yeah, it's fun to see that. Yeah. But 74,000. That's That's weird. That's weird. Yeah, that's insane. So too bad I can't monetize that. I look to see if I can make money out of it. But I have to have a thousand followers. They upped it. It used to be like a hundred. Now it has to be a thousand followers. And I think like uh, a thousand hours of of views in the last month but if it continues maybe eventually i can make three dollars off of this stupid video <laughs> right no, no. maybe uh, you probably have to give most of that to the people in the video you know that is really weird though that it's skyrocketing so fast like that this is insane i guess that's what the, why they call it going viral yeah the oh the algorithm right i mean it's so if it would make sense if it's presenting that and people are clicking on it which they are you know right. it's like a I think it was like 10, 11% click rate on those, you know, it's got 500,000 like impressions, you know, that's presented to people and, you know, out of that, however many. Well, and then then someone watches it though, and then it gets recommended to someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah. That's nuts. How many followers did you have for a long time until it started? Oh, like 19 or 20. And now I'm at like, I don't know, actually, let me look. I had like, (laughs) like initially I had like maybe like, 20 you know 15 followers and that went up to like 20 something i remember i was all happy that it was at like 25 followers right people watching my bullshit yeah and i think i think right now i'm at like 38 you know what i mean yeah well i have 209 Just, but this no. is like you know 190 of them or something 170 of them however many uh, it Just was. in the last month Just in the last like month or whatever i'm so jealous it's funny well I, I just, I would have never known except for I kept periodically get, seeing these little notifications <laughs> on my phone pop up from Gmail, like, hey, you have another subscriber. And I never really thought anything <laughs> of it. And then right. I was looking at my phone one day and I saw it pop up again. I'm like, oh, subscribers. Huh. Now, oh, let me now, check it out. I haven't checked it. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> now, in case anyone's curious, what's the name of your uh, YouTube channel? Should we, uh, should we do it? I don't, I don't want to break the internet here. Go, yeah, just what is it? Yeah, it's 13 Purple Turbans. 13 purple turbans. <laughs> 13 purple turbans. <laughs> okay. All right. And uh, Mr. Rictus Grin and 13 purple turbans. I have one yeah. scatterbrain podcast thing on, on mine, you know, where I'm showing the artwork. 
yeah, jam around the room. You can I like that one. That was a great one. That was for like the hundred episodes, right? You did like a no, no, no. That was way back. That was over a year ago. That okay, was... well, it was eighty of them or something. It was a, a lot of them. You did them back to back to back. You like ran through your house and like showed them. You went to the yeah, room, your room, a, then went to the a, bathroom, then a, a quick jam of Stanley as I ran by. He's just laying there, and yeah, and I got some music playing, and and uh, that's got quite a few views. But uh, that's the only thing scatterbrained on YouTube. Yeah, we should just do YouTube. What the hell? We should do that. Maybe have like our. I don't know. I could dump it with the logo or something, at least a, some video or something or so, something, right? Something. Or me just like me picking my nose or something. Something on a loop. Yeah, on a loop. Yeah, right. For 117 episodes. <laughs> or just the sound of me, the... <laughs> just the sound of me belching on a loop, just blah, 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 the whole time. No, it's just in the background, background music for every uh, episode. Yeah, that wouldn't work. For that Let's romance. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's get to these reviews because we're doing two. We are doing too. Now, this is kind of a weird thing. How this happened? Did we get into it? Why? How this happened? Doubling up? Oh, well, I suggested something a while back, and apparently you listened to it, and I listened to it once, and wasn't all that impressed. And then I started listening to something else a lot, and said, "Let's do this instead." And then you said, "Well, I haven't listened to that at all." So then I had to cram the one I suggested, and then you had to cram the one that I've been listening to. Yeah. So what are we talking about? We're going to talk about two albums. Now, now I have kind of a, a game, if you maybe we should, and we'll see, it might flop and we'll go, that's ah, stupid and move on. So yeah. I think what we should do maybe is talk about the two albums, just name them, and then I'll make a couple statements and you have to guess without knowing what I what my ratings are for these, which one, I'm, which album I'm referring to. And I'll take a guess, take a guess as to which you would say the album refers to. Does that make sense? Uh, not entirely, but go ahead and start and I'll figure it out. All right. So if I, so first of all, we're talking about two albums. What are the two albums we're talking about? We are talking about, well, I was thinking the first one we talked about was the one I, you know, suggested a while back. And uh, what is it? Inhuman Existence. Is that right? Yeah. The album is called Dehumanized. Uh-huh. It came out okay. January 14th, 2022, nine tracks, 30 minutes, 30 26 minutes. seconds. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. The other album. That we're going to talk about is, is the new creator yes what's the album uh, called hate who brought us man yes what does that mean hate above all hate over everything hate over everything yep great name now before we get too into these bands <clears throat> and i mean you know creator we've talked about before and i think most people know about creator but before we get into the reviews and anything about the bands i just want to ask a couple questions uh-huh. so if i said to you yeah. unknown what my ratings are and me guessing your ratings if you were to describe one of these albums as having awesome leads oh that would definitely be creator okay now what about having the most engaging opening track most engaging opening track creator creator okay what about the best drumming oh that one's hard because in human existence, drummer is fucking awesome. But I'm still going to go with Vec- uh, Ventor. I'm going to still say creator. Okay. And the last one, I guess. Which one has the best production tone? Which sounds the best, regardless of whether or not you like the music? Which sounds the best? Oh, easily creator. Okay. So you're essentially confirming my... <laughs> assessment of what i thought you might think of these albums yeah so i guess to start that was i know it's kind of a weird thing i thought let's talk about inhumane existence again we're talking about their album dehumanized 
uh-huh. uh, eight tracks, just over 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, these guys are from Lausanne, Switzerland, yeah. formed in 2015, and it's a five-piece. Uh-huh. We have on bass, Giovanni Convertini, Loan Grasso on drums, Telmo Santiago on guitars, Jonathan Emery, also on guitars, and Ryan Tengblad on vocals. You ever notice that they're from Switzerland, right? Yes. And they have you all ever, kinds of different last names. Yeah. You ever notice uh, like people from Switzerland that have all kinds of last names? And now for Random Discovery Podcast Swiss doesn't really like as a culture or not as a culture, but as an actual like ethnic group or people that doesn't exist. It's like Germans, Italians, um, a couple other ones in there. And so they all have Spanish, Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like they all, it's like, they all just went, ah, fuck our country. And they all ended up in the, in these mountain and mountainous areas. Did you know Switzerland is like damn near impossible to invade? And that's part of the reason they stay neutral because the Alps. Well, and plus they have, they bored out all of those mountains, dude. And so they have like all this weaponry and stuff in there. They can retreat into the mountains. They can pull their weapons out of the mountains. And they have a badass air force that took on the fucking Luftwaffe. Whenever the Nazis strayed into their airspace, the Swiss would fucking go up there and shoot their asses down, dude. They didn't fuck around. It's like we're neutral. Fucking get out of aerospace. They also shot down American planes, though. So that has to be pointed out. I had no idea of the history of Switzerland, per se. They're pretty much they're pretty much like a big porcupine in the middle of Europe. I mean, I've been there. It just trips me out. And the way it's laid out, too, like little pockets are all the different ethnicities. They all kind of congregate together and they are all Swiss. And creator is, as I think most people know, from Germany. And they are considered one of the Teutonic Four, right? The big yeah. four of Germany. Yeah, we talked about that in the Review of Destructions album. Yeah. A few episodes back. Would you say the creator is the king of that four? Uh, see, I would say perhaps, but then having seen Destruction play and seen how good they've played. I don't think Destruction's in, no, I think it's kind of like a toss up between Sodom and Creator. But so- I, Sodom, yeah. Yeah, I think what gives Creator the edge, though, is that they have been more consistent and they've put out more albums. And they, except for that brief little grunge period in the 90s where everybody seemed to go astray for a bit, um, they have not really change their style or their sound or who they are really you know their message and and everything they're pretty consistent there's never been a breakup period none of that shit now these guys and, formed in 84 yeah they've been uh, a long it's time old school you know old school yep. thrash guys yep. now one thing i didn't know and it kind of reminded me maybe wonder if there was a large joke in here somewhere but i guess in 82 they actually started as metal militia they did and then changed into creator creator in 84 this album we're talking about hey uberales is their 15th full length man i looked at their i looked at their there's probably as many uh splits and eps as as there are albums there's a ton a ton of stuff live albums Uh, compilations shitloads and and on some of their live albums they have songs that they don't have on any other albums so you can even get some original songs on some of the live shit which is kind of cool, but how many, how many creator albums have you actually like really listened to like, or part of your library? Oh, I don't know. Probably like pleasure to kill. I've heard that one, but I, that's not one that I really ever played a lot. Violent revolution is badass. Everything after violent revolution, I would say has been just top notch. 
the last album prior to this one, the one in between Phantom Antichrist and this one, I didn't really, that one didn't really hook me in too much. I listened to it a few times and it didn't really, it's, it's good, but it's almost kind of like Como of Souls from 1990, where it's got, they've got a couple really good songs and the rest of it's just kind of subpar, I guess, you know, whereas Phantom Antichrist to me is one of the best albums ever made. Now that's a uh, pretty high, you know, that's a high bar to top with this album. It had to, this album had to be good for me to even consider it anything you know because phantom antichrist to me is just so fucking good but i like this album quite a bit yeah this album uh hate uber all is was released june 10th 2022 11 tracks 46 minutes 15 seconds and like i said it's their 15th full length yep and this is right down your alley right it's just straight up thrash straight up thrash killer melodies the leads rip uh solid drumming and the vocals are just like i like them i have to say that i wasn't too crazy about this album at first this is a perfect example of why I had to listen to, I have to listen to an album three times before I try to review it because I don't know, weren't there just parts that were like a little too radio-y or anthem-y? There's one song, dude, that's anthem but it's, it's killer because of the, the lyrics for me. There's the lyrics again, but the lyrics are talking about, you know, who are you like, remember who you are, you know what I mean? And I love that. And it sounds like an eighties fucking thrash metal anthem song completely and i loved it yeah anthony <laughs> it was it was and yeah. it was meant but it was written to be that way it was intentional yeah. completely it's not like but, they just suddenly went anthem or something it was like a statement to themselves and to everybody like remember who you are where you came from you know it's a very melodic album um but creators always had pretty good melodies they're pretty good at stringing together melodies and making great songs and I love the leads on all creator albums have great. Leads. Yeah. The leads on this one are killer. Oh, they're just all over the place and they just fit the music nicely. And they just make me go. Fuck. Yeah. I love it. Now it did start to lose a little bit of its shine after about the fourth or fifth. Listen, I've listened yeah. to it at least a half dozen times. And it, it did start to get like, you know, I already know this album completely already. You know what I mean? I sort of felt that I, I listened to this thing since yesterday. It's pretty much almost all I've been listening to. Uh-huh. I had to crank out because we talked. When did we decide we were doubling up like two days ago? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two days ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been listening to it pretty much since then. At least for me, I have to leave it and then come back. So if I kind of jumped between these two albums that we were listening to, but I, I listened to this one. Like I said, I initially didn't really care for it too much. There were, it just sounded too radio to me or Anthony. And then there were parts where it was like, man, this is, this is pretty badass. It is. And then they'll go on to something like that. <laughs> it's like, ugh. There's maybe, two or three songs in the middle where it the songs don't get softer especially but they get a lot more melodic and uh, a little bit different maybe a little lighter you know a little more like acceptable for the masses and but the last song is so fucking awesome dude yeah dying planet that's my favorite that's, album actually that's my favorite song too yep it is finish is good because you have track 10 pride comes before the fall and then track 11 dying Planet. those are songs. two standout tracks for me yeah what are you going to so, give it then if you're so unimpressed? Well, let me, before I give you that, I'm going to have to mention a couple throwaways for because <laughs> I think that's sort of <laughs> reflected in my rating. I initially didn't care for it too much. Then it grew on me. But there were, yeah, just a couple tracks that I thought were throwaways. Track three, Killer of Jesus, did not like that song. <laughs> that's a killer. I love that song. It's a killer song. Track nine, Conquer and Destroy, also a throwaway. Really? Yeah. Wow. But I like this. I liked it, like I said, more as I listened to it. 
But again, you have to start comparing. We listen to so many things now, talking about so many things, I have to compare it to other things that we listen to. I think I liked it about as much as the latest Exodus, which I initially gave an eight, and I think I've upped it up to like an 8.5 or something like that. Yeah, I yeah, I think I like this a little bit more. Probably about, yeah, about the same maybe. More than Exodus or about the same as Exodus? I think I like it a little bit more, but it's kind of on the same level, yeah. So where do you put it then? Because yeah, I think you rated Exodus also an eight or an 8.5. I'm, I'm giving this an 8.75 hey i'm using the uh, hey all right i'm using the scale there you like there that 8.75 yeah, 8. yeah. so now we'll get back to dehumanized by inhumane existence mm-hmm. uh, wait 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 you got a rate creator though oh i did i gave it an eight because i liked it about as much as exodus which you gave an eight or 8.5 i think i, I initially gave it an eight i think it was an eight right yeah and then i bumped it up at the year end to 8.5 Oh, and I think I did the same. You're right. Yeah. So I think with this one, I liked it about as much as I, I feel like the same way about it as I did when I first reviewed Exodus. Like, oh, there's some good riffs in here. <clears throat> so it gets the eight. Nice. Yeah. So it gets the now, eight. Before we review this second one, I have to go through something real quick. This is the Scatterbrain Podcast album review rating key guide. Okay. A 10 is only a few classics. 9.5 is as good as it gets. A nine is nearly perfect. 8.5 is love it. An eight is great album. 7.5 is worth the listen. Seven is not bad. 6.5 is okay, but needs some work. Six is kind of boring, but has promise. 5.5 is painful to listen to. A five is <laughs> a struggle to get through. Four is not good. Oh, 4.5 is not good. Four is don't bother. 3.5 is seriously? Three is ugh. 2.5 is my ears are vomiting. A two is why are you doing this? 1.5 is please kill yourselves. And a one is kill me. There you go. And I'm giving this next one. I'm not even going to bother going through this. Dude, this is a six period. I, I was really surprised that you suggested this album, Ian. Yeah, because when I first heard it, I heard the drumming and I was like, oh my God, this drummer's so awesome. And I got a couple songs into it and I thought, oh my God, what, what have I done? And I forgot to like text you and say, forget it. And days went by and that was kind of stuck on your, uh, on your radar and you listened to it a bunch, I guess. Yeah. I was just trying to get through it. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, it's like, Oh my God. There's a couple parts that are like, so like, wow, that's a pretty cool little guitar part, you know, little squeaks and squeals and shit. And then that fucking voice comes in and just ruins everything. Okay. So that is actually, I think what I did not like about this fits the I put in quote fits the standard bill it was what you would expect to cl- classify as like the generic death metal vocals yeah but it's worse it's not even the generic it's just worse it's like mush mouth i don't know man let it's me ask you this what did bad. you rate the Fulci? what did you rate Fulci? the uh the tropical sun the zombie one i think that was like a seven or something like, yeah i think i did like a seven five yeah so you're saying that Oh, Fulci's singer's way better than this guy. Some of the drumming parts are so fucking cool. And that the guitar good part, in this. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. yeah. And, the, and the guitar parts are some really unique parts in the middle of the album, especially where they string together some tri- trippy changes and the music's kind of cool. And I'm like, oh, wait, maybe this is kind of good. And then the vo- voice comes in and just, it's like, oh God, you ruined it. It's, it's makes it hard to listen to because you can't get beyond, at least I can't get beyond that voice. Dude, it's just... <laughs> And, and he's like, and he does these little like, 
like I don't know, dude. He does these things where he's going, blah, 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 blah. it's like, what are you doing? Are you vomiting? What's wrong with you? It's bad. It's just that, yeah, just that generic. Generic in the sense it's the mush mouth growly shit, but it's unique in the fact that it's just worse than the rest of them. Dude, I'm sorry, but does he play guitar or is he just the singer? Oh, uh, just the singer. Oh, ouch, dude. Just sing naturally, please. Maybe you got a good voice. Just piss Dan off and sing naturally. Maybe you yeah, have a, sing clean. Maybe you have a beautiful, clean voice like a like an angel, and you're just disguising it with that mush mouth shit. And it's overproduced. It's like the vocals are produced like way above the music, too. So it drowns everything out and it just ruins it. Like if it was underneath the music, you know how Skeleton Witch kind of made everything kind of underneath the vocals were there. They're audible, but it didn't overpower everything else. Maybe that would help. I don't know. But it just dominates all of it when he starts doing that. The guitar tone, I mean, it's, it's heavy and chunky. But it's not, it's, 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 not super, it's not super original. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's like kind of just like it's the bill. I don't know how else to explain it. Nothing earth shattering. The leads too, dude. I was listening to some of the leads and I'm like, this sounds like how I did leads in 1983 when I first started yeah. playing guitar. It was like he just literally doesn't know how to do leads. He's just hitting notes wherever, moving his fingers. I mean, no offense. I mean, the, the, some of the rhythms are kind of cool in the way they string them together. Some of the changes are kind of cool. There's some unique little parts and the drumming is kind of badass, dude. The drummer's really yeah, fucking I like the, good. I like the drumming on this. Yeah, and that's what kind of that saves it enough for me to give it a, a six. Otherwise, this would be way downer. Did you like? Were there any any tracks you liked at all? I mean, because it was so hard to get through it three times anyway. But for some reason, the very last song was the saving grace. That's the only one I could ever imagine peeling off and putting on like a, a shuffle thing or something. You know, like a mix. Like track four, devoured by Amit. <laughs> Like that yeah, you, haven't, you haven't read uh, the last song's called uh, "Flesh <laughs> Flesh for What the Eternal <laughs> the Eternal Demerge." That's another thing. I, I read the lyrics as this was going, and they're just ridiculous. I don't know if you read any of these lyrics. No, I mean, I mean oh lyrics, my god, they're ridiculous. <laughs> they are just like a child wrote them. Like, let's make a death metal band and write the let's write the most gory, stupid. I mean, it's like Cannibal Corpse almost kind of stuff, and it's. Yeah, I don't know. I shouldn't have picked this. I'm sorry. I don't want to bag on anyone, but the drumming is excellent. The riffs are kind of cool. The leads are stinky and the voice just kills it. You told me you're giving it a six. Yeah. I'm going to give it a seven because I liked it less than Fulci. Less? Uh, less than Fulci. I think yeah, I gave Fulci a seven five, a tropical yeah. sun. There were some good parts, you know? I, like I said, there were a couple good tracks that I enjoyed. But it just got kind of like boring. Yeah. For like a 30 minute album. That's not yeah. how you want to feel. I didn't I didn't get to the end and be like, oh, I'm gonna start this over. Uh-huh. You know. And at so, the time I didn't I didn't know if it was like because I was just listening to other things, you know, that were if I was just in a different spot or something. But hearing you talk about it and having the same impressions, maybe a little more, you know, I'm a little more extreme than I did, but having the same impressions, yeah, kind of just reinforces that for me. Is that what you were going to initially give it a seven or maybe more? Well, I was thinking maybe like seven, five, like it was around Fulci. I don't know. I was because Fulci, I liked that album, but I, I still am not clear how much of it was because of the zombie. Like it's got a <laughs> bump just for the zombie part, you know? The, the second one was definitely better. Yeah. With the, 
music uh the soundtrack movie soundtrack stuff going on in the mm-hmm. background or every other track or something now what was that um what was that um what was that band from holland we did in the very beginning like episode 14 or 15 uh not shark tank <laughs> shark tank grind pad grind pad. grind pad you do you like this more than grind pad uh grind pad's been pretty far that's far away yeah i know yeah i would say that if someone said you're stuck on a tropical island, you get this album or Grind Pad. I'm picking Grind Pad. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to go back and listen. I didn't didn't really. <laughs> At least there's some like redeemable parts about Grind Pad. You know, the vo- the vo- vocals you hated because it was a typical like thrash metal kind of guy. He wasn't growling. He's just kind of normal, you know. But um, the the it just didn't like fit. Like the the changes didn't fit. It kind of was all over the place, disjointed. You know, this is just. Uh, I'll take Grindpad. Yeah, at least I think it, about at least it. I was, yeah, at least I was produced better and everything. You know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I found a couple tracks on here I liked, so I don't recall the grind. Like I said, it's probably not a fair comparison, but oh, didn't I rate a grind Grindpad like a six or six and a half or something like that? I think we both rated it like a six and a half or something. Yeah. So do I like this better? A uh, half a point better? Yeah. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I'll stick with six. I think six sounds right. Um, and also, what was the anti-orthodox that band um, from Nebraska we did in April? Remember when I was in Colorado and you're like, why did you pick this? Yeah, I don't remember the band. I got far more enjoyment out of that. And I gave that a six, I think, as well. So this actually might be more like a five and a half, dude. Because there were some songs on there I thought were kind of cool. There's not really anything cool about this album for me, so... I'm revising it right here. Five and a half. Okay. Yeah. I have well, you got to go with it, man. I mean, sometimes you make notes and then they don't quite, you know, you yeah. listen to it again. Sometimes transpires or you think about it more yeah. as it happens to me. I never thought of it in those terms. though. that's an insult to those guys from Nebraska to give them the same rating. So, hmm. and you know, these guys are from Switzerland, so they can't just like come over here and kick my ass for this. But so we were, we were reviewing uh, the new creator, hate Uber Alice. And uh, Dan's album of the year, um, Inhuman Existence, right? Yeah, that's uncalled for. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now, now we're just being dicks. I know, I know. Dude. Well, hey, look, dude, you have to, you have, there's nothing wrong with not liking something, you know? You have to be honest. And you have to be honest. Yep. Yep. Be honest. Yep. And you have to give it a shot sometimes. I mean, just give it a go. These guys had a cool cover. I thought the cover was pretty cool. That would be enough in back in the old days maybe to make someone buy it i thought the album art was pretty cool dude and yeah generic death metal names portraits of a decaying body body and compulsive self-mutilization mutilation they're just right there (laughs) with that typical i just think if they get a, a, a better singer or a different singer or he sings different and they they do some real production this is a killer band it's just that little element that's fucking it up you know what I mean? And hey, they didn't get my coveted one like that Australian band. So <laughs> you, you guys are fine. So you gave Creator a what? An eight? An eight. I gave it an 8.75. And then in Human Existence, I gave a 5.5 ultimately. And I gave and a seven, right? Seven. Yeah, yep. seven. Okay. All right. This is all about you, Dan. Kick it off. All about me. You're the one that <laughs> picked this topic. We did all the research. <laughs> did you, I, have you ever heard? I'd never heard. I'd never really heard of this guy. Whoa. 
Really? Uh, yeah, man, I'm not into that like metaphysical. Yeah, but this guy's pretty famous for the things he did. I, it seems like you would have heard about him at some point. I, um, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. Weird. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so why don't you uh, tell us about this guy? Edgar Casey. Now, he was called, well, he was dubbed the Sleeping Prophet by, by, uh, by a biographer. He was born in March of 1877, and he died in January of 1945, right before D-Day. He was an American clairvoyant who claimed to channel his higher self while asleep in a trance-like state. Now, his words were recorded over the years by his wife, Gertrude, initially, and later a secretary that he hired, this lady named Gladys Davis Turner. She's a real big part of the story, actually. During the sessions, Casey would answer questions on a variety of subjects like healing and reincarnation, dreams, the afterlife, uh, past lives, as well as future events. Now, as a devout Christian he, and a Sunday school teacher, his readings were often criticized as being demonic by his religious colleagues, of course. Of course. Well, were. at that time, of course. Casey, so in when, contra- did he, when did he start? I mean, maybe to put it into context, when did he start having these types of ideas? Like what, what year frame where this was? And where was this relative to like a Freudian type of thing? Because he's talking about subconscious mind and different things like that. What, where does this fall when he starts... So just to maybe put some context in here, because he's talking about things like dreams and subconscious mind and things like that. When he started professing and teaching these types of things, I don't mean to get it too far ahead of the game. Where did this fall in, in relative in the timeline relative to like someone like Freud? Like what year were we talking about when he started? Maybe we should do something on Freud because you've mentioned Freud a bunch of times. He's a weirdo, but he would be interesting to talk about. Yeah. My dad, my dad was a psychologist, so of course he mentioned him as well. But um, I think Freud was middle-aged about maybe when uh, Casey was born. Why did you bring that up? Just curious, just for context. Okay, 1877, you know, about the time the light bulb was invented, that sort of thing. So really, you figure where we are in life, he was living in the Depression. Casey, in contrast, believed that it was his subconscious mind exploring the dream realm where he believed all minds were timelessly connected. Now, this is trippy shit, though. Uh, something he called the Akashic Records. Have you ever heard of this shit? I have heard of that, actually. That's really trippy shit. And it's like where everything, like all time, all events, all everybody's souls, everything exists. You can access, apparently anyone can access it. You just need to know how. But from all accounts and from everyone he knew, he was a really kind, generous, honest dude. And he didn't like any of this shit. So that kind of throws into question, like, well, what was going on then? Right. Cause he didn't, he didn't make any money from this and he kind of always questioned it. And he doubted that this was actually real. And he was the one fucking doing it. That was just the name of, of his research thing, the association for research and enlightenment to record and facilitate the study of his channeling and to also run a hospital where he could do his readings for people free of charge. Um, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, now, he was born in 1877 in Kentucky. Uh, his parents were Carrie Elizabeth, Leslie Burr, Casey, and they were farmers. They had six kids. And now as a child, Casey allegedly saw the ghost of his deceased grandfather. And he was confident that it was indeed his grandfather's ghost because he said it became transparent if he, quote, looked hard enough. Casey was taken to church at 10 years old, where he became engrossed in the Bible. Now, he would end up reading the Bible once all the way through every single year for the rest of his life, dude. 
how do you have time for that over if the next dedicated you know oh my goodness, it goes quick old... if you've read it dozens of times i guess <laughs> have you ever read the bible front to back <laughs> uh, uh yeah, maybe have you really i'm the son i of think a... i tried to at one point just to see I... what it was all about and probably I'm got, the son of a, I'm, a, I'm by... the son of a reverend. I heard fucking bits of pieces of the whole thing yeah. over and over for years. So I never sat down and like read it front to back. Oh hell no! Um, I mean, oh heck no! Um, over the next two years, <laughs> over the next two years, Casey completed a dozen readings. Now, in 1889, while reading his Bible in his hut in the woods, he claimed to have an encounter with a woman who told him that his prayers had been answered. Now she asked him what he wanted to do with his life most of all. And he told uh, his biography, Thomas Suguru, that he was frightened, but explained that he wanted to help others, especially sick children. And then he decided he wanted to become a missionary. Now, he said that the next night after a complaint from one of the teachers at his school, he said he generally found it hard to, to focus on his lessons because of all this stuff going on. Um, his father ruthlessly tested him on spelling and became so enraged that he didn't know anything that he knocked Casey out of his chair. Nice guy. Casey said that he suddenly heard the voice of that woman telling him um, that if he went to sleep, they would help him. He put his head on the book. <laughs> so he's basically getting knocked <clears throat> unconscious by his father. Exactly. Now, he said he put his head on the, on the book and fell asleep. And when the father came in and woke him up, he said all of a sudden he knew all the answers. And he could repeat anything in the book. He said his father became so enraged at this and said he had been fooling him all along from before that he knocked him out of his chair again. What a guy. Casey said he then studied all of his school books from there, for, from there on by sleeping on top of them. And then he would know them uh, all. There's that joke, learning by osmosis. That's exactly what Ed said when I told him about that. Yeah. He goes, that's osmosis. I'm all. What are you talking about? Now, during a school's ball game, uh, Casey claimed that he was struck in the, in the head by a pitch. Uh, and that day he began to behave strangely, according to everybody. He said strange things, acted erratically. Now, when he went to bed that night, he claimed the next morning to have no memory of the previous day's events. He had also, well, he got hit in the head with a pitch. <clears throat> he had also diagnosed the cure in his sleep for his... Uh, head trauma his family prepared the cure i don't know it doesn't say what it was but his family prepared the cure according to his instructions and apparently it worked casey's ability to diagnose and give treatments in his sleep would not return for many years this now, guy from, sounds like a charlatan yeah no, that's, that's what it sounds like that's what it sounds like doesn't it but just wait yeah. now in 1893 the family moved to hopkinsville kentucky the thing is though dude he didn't none of this shit was asked for it wasn't like he was well, maybe he's really good, a really good charlatan. He fooled even people who loved him. The Casey family moved to Hopkinsville and uh, and they during this time, Casey received only an eighth grade education. He left school to help on a family farm. Now, tiring of the backbreaking work, he left the farm to pursue various forms of employment. Now, much of the remainder of Casey's younger years would be characterized by a search for employment, really. At March 14th of, eight, of 97, Casey became engaged to Gertrude Evans, and she was considered the most beautiful girl in town. Now, unlike Casey, she was from an upper-class family, and they were considered an unlikely couple, um, but their devout belief in God brought them together and was the tie that kind of bound them for the rest of their lives. She saw in him honesty, kindness, adventure, and a pure heart, and she was the most important person in his life, and he loved her more than anything throughout her life, and why I say that will come into play here. Throughout his life, Casey was drawn to church as a member of the Disciples of Christ. 
Now he said he couldn't see. <laughs> so I got. He said, "I know it's hilarious. It sounds almost like a Scientology or something, yeah, like a cult." Now, exactly. Now he said he could see auras around people. He spoke to angels, and he heard the voices of departed relatives. In 1900, um, he formed a business partnership with his dad to sell insurance. And however, in March of that year, he was struck by severe laryngitis that resulted in a complete loss of speech. Now, when I heard that, I thought, you know, you work with your dad. You're faking it because you don't want to work with your dad anymore is what you're doing, right? Now, unable to work, he lived at home with his parents for almost a year home. I guess that throws that out. He then decided to take up the trade of photography. Now, he was actually apparently really good at this. Yeah, it was an occupation that would not require him to talk. Uh, he began an apprenticeship at the photography studio of W.R. Bowles in Hopkinsville and eventually became quite skilled in this trade. His photography stood out from his counterparts, and he proved to be quite talented, actually. In 1901, a traveling stage hypnotist named Hart was performing at the Hopkinsville Opera House and heard about Casey's condition, his throat condition, and offered to cure him. Casey's speech allegedly allegedly returned while he was in a trance, but uh, disappeared on awakening. Hart tried post-hypnotic suggestion that the voice would continue to function after the trance, but it was unsuccessful. Okay, so this reminds me of a book I just finished by Stephen King called Revival. This guy travels around. He was a preacher for a while, and he's able to heal people. Won't get too into how, but then he ends up traveling around, basically doing the carny thing and running these revivals where he gets people, oh, Lord, Lord, you know, and, yeah. <laughs> and give me some money and I'll heal you and all this stuff. And that's what this sounds like. I mean, especially when you're talking about a. The, remember that Steve Martin movie, Leap of Faith? Yes. You are healed. <laughs> or the, the hypnotist. Remember that hypnotist? Um, it was, I think it was Jim Carrey, and the hypnotist goes, Come on up here. And Jim Carrey goes up there and he goes, I'm gonna give you a suggestion. And after the count of 10, you are now a chicken. And the guy's all, oh, you're ridiculous. And the guy goes, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, up. And it gets to one, and he's all Bah-bah! he's on stage going, bah-bah, bah-bah! and everyone's laughing, and the guy's all, thank you, thank you. He's all now on the I'll count from 10 backwards, and you will be yourself again, right? He goes, 10, 9, 8, and the dude fucking kills over from a heart attack on stage. <laughs> and the dude's standing there and he's standing over his body going, yeah, I think I've like, seen this. Yeah, like, what was that from? Was that like Living Color or something? Like it was that? in Living Color. And yeah. then it shows him years later, like in a, in a restaurant, and he's all, he's all like, my God, because he just wants some food and he can't <laughs> order food. And then he like he writes it out. He's all, oh, and then he writes it out, right? And the and the woman's all, oh, oh, he's gonna write it out, right? And she reads it, and all it says is cluck, 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 cluck. And he hard. starts crying and he starves to death. <laughs> anyway, that was a pretty good show. Let's continue on, shall we? Now, since this guy, Hart, had appointments in other cities, he could not continue his treatments for Casey, uh, but admitted he had failed because Casey would not go into a third state of hypnosis. Now, there was a New York hypnotist, John Duncan, Quackenboss, his name was Quackenboss, found the same impediment and after returning to New York, suggested that Casey should take over his own case while in the second stage of hypnosis. The only local hypnotist, Al Lane, offered to help Casey restore his voice in subsequent sessions uh, when Casey wanted to indicate that the connection was made to the person or entity that was requesting the reading, he would generally start off with, we, we have the body, unquote. Now, 20 minutes would go by and Casey, still in trance, declared the treatment to be over. On awakening, his voice remained normal. 
Apparently relapses occurred, but were said to have uh, been corrected by Lane in the, in the same way until eventually the cure was permanent. Now, Lane asked Casey to describe Lane's own ailments and to suggest to him cures and reportedly found the results were accurate and effective. Lane regarded his ability as clairvoyance and suggested that Casey offer his trance healing to the public. Now, this is what makes it weird. Casey seems to like not want to deal with this. And everyone else around him seems to be using him and telling him what he can do, what his abilities are, and kind of use him for it. And the whole time Casey's fighting it. And these are people that Casey cuts out of his life and gets pissed off at and just washes his hands of, doesn't talk to again. And so that's what makes this kind of like a, okay. And he never made any money off of any of this shit, which is also another thing that makes me think maybe there's something to this. Now, Lane regarded his ability to clairvoyance. Now, he suggested that Casey offers trance healing to the public. Casey was reluctant as he had no idea what he was prescribing while asleep and whether the remedies were even safe. He told Lane that he so did what are not these remedies, man? I mean, it's... well, wait, wait. He told Lane that he did not want to know anything about the patient as it was not relevant. He finally agreed on the condition that the readings would be free. He began with Lane's help to offer free treatments to the townspeople. Now, Lane described Casey's method as a self-imposed hypnotic trance with, induces, with induced clairvoyance. Now, uh, reports of Casey's work appeared in newspapers as far away as New York, which inspired many postal inquiries. Now, Casey stated he could work just as effectively using a letter or a personal object from the individual as with the person being present in the room. Given only the person's name and location, Casey said he could diagnose the physical and mental conditions of what he termed the entity and then provide a remedy. Casey was still reticent and worried that one dead patient was all he needed to become a murderer. His fiancée, Gertrude, agreed with him. Few people knew what he was up to. There was a common belief at the time that subjects of hypnosis eventually went insane, or at least that their health suffered. Casey soon became famous. Hey, sorry to interrupt you again, but this is exactly what happened in that story I told you. What story? That Stephen King book that was based off of this guy in some abstract way. It might have been, actually. Casey soon became famous and people from all around the world sought his advice through correspondence. Uh, He was not happy about this. In May 1902, he got a uh, bookshop job in the town of Bowling Green, where he boarded with some young professionals, two of whom were doctors. He lost his voice while he was there and Lane came to help uh, affect the normal cure, finally visiting every week. Casey still worried kept the meeting secret and continued to refuse money for his readings. He invented, now this is what I think is fucking totally cool. He invented a card game called Board of Trade, simulating wheat market trading that became very popular. But when he sent the idea to a game company, they stole the game, copyrighted it, and sold it as the game Pit. Did you ever play Pit? We used to play it all the time, dude. No, I didn't. He never earned a dime from it. He never received any profit or... um anything from it he was completely yeah. stolen from now he and during this time he continued to refuse to give readings for money and he did throughout his life casey and gertrude were finally married in 1903 she moved to bowling green with him uh, they had three kids and um she disapproved of these readings and casey agonized over the morality of doing that yeah it's evil a few He's, days later work a few days later uh, lane revealed the activity to those professionals at the boarding house one of whom was a magistrate journalist after which state medical authorities forced lane to close his practice 
He left to acquire um, an osteopathic qualification in Franklin. Casey and Gertrude accepted the resulting publicity as best they could, aided by the diplomacy of these young doctors. So these people are fucking using them. Casey and a relative opened a, a photographic studio in Bowling Green, while the doctors formed a committee with some colleagues to investigate the phenomenon. With Casey's cooperation, all the experiments confirmed the accuracy of the readings. However, Casey refused a lucrative offer to go into business with them. After a violent examination by these doctors, where they were poking him with needles to gauge his reaction while in his trance, Casey refused any more investigations of readings, declared that he would do only readings for those who needed help and believed in them. This is what makes it weird. This guy may not have been a charlatan. In 1906, 1907, fires burned down his two photographic studios leading to bankruptcy. Now, between the two fires, his first son was born in 1907. Uh, he became debt-free in 1909. Although completely broke, he was ready to start again. And in, in 1907, outstanding diagnosis, um, diagnostic success in the family helped his confidence. Now, he, what, is that? what does that mean? He did some readings for people and people were cured. And he became confident again. He again refused an offer to go into business, this time with a homeopath. Oh, homeopaths. Jesus. Uh, Wesley H. Ketchum from Hopkinsville, who was introduced to him by his father. His father was kind of a dick. Uh, he later found a job at H. Tressler Photography Firm. Now, Ketchum was persistent and spread information in various medical circles and in 1910 got written up in the press. Now, when a reporter finally contacted Casey, Casey explained to the reporter that he somehow had the ability to easily go into uh, the intuitive sleep when he wanted to, and this was completely different from how he went to sleep normally, like everyone else does. When asked the mechanism of the readings via the sleep method, the reporter was told that it happened via the capabilities of the subconscious mind tapping into the Akashic records, and the reporter didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. Ketchum again urged Casey to join with him into business. Casey finally reluctantly accepted the offer under certain conditions. He would not take any money for the readings, which pissed Ketchum off. Casey read the back readings, but they contained so many technical terms um, that he gained no more understanding of what he was doing. He preferred to put the readings on a more scientific basis, but only the doctors in Hopkinsville would cooperate, whereas most of the patients were not in that locality. Also, doctors from all specialties were needed as the treatments prescribed varied widely. Casey and especially Gertrude still did not give therapeutic priority to these readings and supposedly lost their second child because of this reticence. He had failed to use his gift to save his child. And when Gertrude became fatally ill with tuberculosis, they used the readings after their doctor had given up. Miraculously, the readings he had given cured her. Shortly after this, in 1912, Casey, whose everyday conscious mind was not aware during the readings, discovered that Ketchum had been on had been dishonest with them and had used Casey to gamble for finance, betting on horses and the stock market. Can you believe that shit? Yeah. Ketchum, Ketchum argued in his own defense that the medical professional was not backing them up. Casey quit the company and went back to the Tressler photography firm in Selma, Alabama, angry and disillusioned. He continued to work in an apparent trance state with a hypnotist all of his life. His wife and eldest son later um, replaced uh, Lane in this role. Later, a secretary, Gladys Davis. Now, she was awesome. She was introduced to the Casey's and they had an immediate spiritual connection to her. And she was hired on to record his readings in shorthand. Most of his readings survived to this day, thanks to the tireless work of Gladys Davis. Now, the growing fame of Casey, along with the popularity he received from newspapers, attracted 
several eager commercially minded men who wanted to seek a fortune by using his clairvoyant abilities. Uh, even though Casey was reluctant to help them, he was persuaded to give his readings, which left him dissatisfied with himself, and the readings were unsuccessful. A cotton merchant... Bullshit. What's bullshit? He was just like, fucking, this isn't working because I'm not into this. A cotton merchant offered $100 a day for his readings about the daily outcomes of the cotton market. However, despite his poor finances, Casey refused the offer. Some wanted to know where to hunt for treasures, while others wanted to know the outcome of horse races. He even found himself in Texas for a time, helping others to try to locate oil deposits with no success. Casey suffered. So why was he getting all this credit then? Where people seeking him? Let me finish. Casey suffered terrible headaches after such readings, and then he realized that when his abilities were used for selfish reasons, the readings failed, and he became increasingly sick and weak, which he did. He did achieve his dream briefly. He opened his free hospital in Virginia Beach, uh, but it went. But it was right after the stock market crash that he had predicted five years earlier, and he had to close the hospital after only a short time. And the only reason he opened it after the stock market crash was because he was given the money to do so. And it failed. He knew it would fail. His readings contained other such future predictions that have come to pass, such as the rise of Hitler, um, World War II, climate change, uh, global warming. But they also contain misfires, such as the discovery of Atlantis in 1968. But it should be noted that the Bimini Row was, in fact, discovered in the Bahamas in 1968. And science has yet to figure out what that is, and they have problems explaining it. So that is Edgar Casey. But so why were so many people seeking him out if he was having all these failed, failed attempts? His failed attempts were only for, for selfish things. If it was to read for someone's ailment, ailment or sickness, he would give the, the cure or the treatment. And someone would write it down and they would do it and it worked every time. But if it was someone betting on the freaking horse races or trying to locate oil in Texas, it would fail. If they'd give him false readings and he would wake up with terrible headaches, he became ill. And in fact, after one of these readings in 1945, he said, I'm going to die tomorrow because of this. And the next day he died of a heart attack. He fought making money. He died poor, dude. It wasn't like this was something that he did for money or, or especially fame or any of that shit. He, all the fame he ever got was because other people saw what he was doing and said, holy shit, we got to put this in the paper. And then and the make paper, a buck off of this guy. Make a buck off this guy. And everyone tried to make a buck off of him. He never made a dime. All he cared about was doing his photography. And apparently I seen some of his pictures too, and he was really good at it. This is in the early 1900s where, you know, taking a picture of someone isn't just, you know, snap, you're done. You know, you had to like the lighting and everything and the the pose. You had to hold still a little bit and it was black and white. And he was very good at it. He was very talented, but people wanted to make money off of it. So why was he a charlatan or a fake or a fraud if he never earned any money off of it? And other people saw what he was doing and he was correct about his readings when people were sick and he was helping people. So other people wanted to use him and he was just getting sicker and sicker when someone else would come in and lie to him. And, and start asking him questions about what, what are the horse races going to, you know, who's going to win the horse race? What about the stock market? You know, stuff like that. And he would wake up not knowing what he was saying and he would feel sick. And then when he would read the writings that someone else was recording, he'd be like, what the fuck? You know, you're using me. And he became sicker and sicker and wouldn't do it. He would take years at a time off from doing this, just like I'm not doing this ever again. But then when his wife became sick and he went into trance, gave a reading for how to cure her and the doctors gave up she was like days from death dude from tuber- tuberculosis 
And he gave a reading, gave the cure, and she lived. That was the love of his life. So how can you really how can you really say he was a fraud then or that this is all bullshit or made up? Well, look at it this way. It's confusing. The mind, the mind is powerful. It has yes. effect. The placebo effect is real, right? I mean, it's a it's a known fact. Sure. Uh, the way that you perceive things, the way that you interpret things, sure. your view with which you view the world, all these things come into play into your experience. Okay, but here's the and thing. So, hey, here's on, the thing. On, here's the thing. No, wait, wait, wait. Eighth grade education, dude, had no knowledge of medical anything, and and his writings are all these medical terms that he had no training on whatsoever. And when he looked back at it, he didn't know what the hell any of it meant. How do you explain that? Well, these people are sitting there manipulating him. His wife. So, well, you said that that these things that they were writing made no sense, and you're saying that people were the one guy was under. When he was under hypnosis or whatever, he was using him to he was ask, answer, ask and answer questions. But after that guy, he would only have his wife or Gladys Davis record because he trusted them. So he'd only have them sit there and record what he was saying after a certain point because he was being used so much. Yeah, well, you hang around. And he still, he still gave the same readings. And he, you know, he was like secretly going to medical school at night so he could like fake this shit. You know, well, I, I doubt that he wasn't interested it said he went back to school right uh-uh. he had an eighth grade education i thought you said he went to study somewhere no that no that, no 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 that was the doctor who got exposed as being a fraud the doctor who was helping him was exposed as being a fraud by other medical professionals and he had to close his practice and then he moved away the guy who was supposedly helping casey but he was using casey just like just like those other people in the beginning Later in life, it was only Gladys Davis who recorded the things he said because he trusted her and the wife would be in the room as well because he was getting used so much that he stopped doing it and said, I'm not doing this for anybody. The only people who are going to who are going to have like be the middleman are going to be Gladys Davis, my secretary or my wife or both of them. And no one else is going to be involved. And then he would just have to get a name and a location of the person if they had something wrong with them. And then he could give a reading. He said he could only give two. He <laughs> said he would, at the fair. He said he would also. give only. He said he would only give two. You laugh, dude. But some of this shit is totally unexplainable and can't just be laughed away. You give only. He said he could only give two readings a day, or he would start to become ill. Now during World War II, so many people were trying to contact him wanting to know about their loved ones who are overseas fighting, whether they're dead or injured or whatever, or if they had died, you know, if he could contact them somehow. It totally sounds, woo, 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 you know, hocus pocus. But he was a kind man. He wasn't a charlatan. And he was, okay, I'm, he was giving up to like 10 readings a day the last couple of years of his life. And, it, and he said it was going to kill him. And it did. Now, he wasn't 25 years old. But he wasn't 100 either. I mean, he still had some years on him. And he said to his wife, it's going to kill me. And one day he said, I'm dying tomorrow. This is, I'm done with this. This, is, this has killed me. And the next day he had a heart attack and he died. So that, I guess that's just coincidence. And he was just a charlatan. But he did nothing evil in his life. And he appeared to be a totally kind and decent man throughout his life. Did nothing bad to anybody. And in fact, everyone latched onto him and sucked his life force. So if it was a placebo effect, it worked. He helped a lot of people with that placebo effect, spewing all this mumbo jumbo medical jargon that he didn't even understand. Well, yeah, how did it? it doesn't make sense that he wouldn't read anything. Of course, he's going to read about it. If he's so so motivated, he's going to read the Bible 
you know, once a month or whatever it was he was doing twice a month. How much time do you think he has to read medical journals and shit when he's reading the Bible once a year? Well, look, dude. And he's surrounded by his wife and everybody who is recording all this stuff he's doing. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Did he not sleep? Was he tweaking? I don't know. You need to research. You need to research this guy a little bit more because you're making him out almost like he's just a charlatan and and it's all bullshit and it's all hocus pocus. No, there's something deeper weird here. I think I'm maybe not, it's just because I know people like this. Well, I know people too. I know a guy named Dan who just poo-poos a lot of shit that are just not explainable. Now, I'm not saying I think this guy was completely for real, but something was going on here. This is all just bullshit, hocus pocus. This wasn't some sort of parlor trick. The dude didn't make any money on it. And nobody wanted, he did not want any fame, dude. It was everybody else around him who saw what he was doing, who tried to capitalize on it or use him. So you can't just say he was like looking for attention or maybe he was so I good guess at what it. I'm saying. Maybe he was just... so good at it that he hypnotized everybody into doing it for him to make him look pure. No, I think that's just in- disingenuous to say to assume that this guy wasn't reading stuff. If he's so involved in this and he's hanging with these people, I mean, you don't think he read about different things that interested him. You don't think this stuff interested him. You don't think he was reading stuff from Freud then. And I don't. All these things, of course. No, I don't. I don't. Nothing in anything that anyone has said that knew him, his family members, his kids, people around him. No, none of that. He did not own medical journals. He didn't know who the fuck Freud was. He was a farm boy. He's hanging out with medical people, man. That's that's later in life that he happened to meet when he moved out of town with his wife. He happened to just randomly meet these people because they knew the doctor who was treating him, the hypnotist guy, the throat specialist guy. He didn't know anything about it. We're talking decades that this was happening. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So you don't think in 40 years or whatever, 30 years that he read stuff? (laughs) I don't know. No, he didn't. Dude, you need to research this guy. You really do. Because you laugh about it like, no, how much research do you think? And why would he do all this? Why would he research it? How would you research something in a medical journal that doesn't exist? Books. There's books. He was giving treatments to things that were incurable that didn't have treatments yet how do you do that well, if he's given how do you, these folk, how do you read something in a book folk, how do you read something in a medical book of something that doesn't exist yet it doesn't make i sense. don't know about hammering nails into people's knee but that was just an example but he did it he did it time and again how about when his, when his wife's doctor gave up on her she had tuberculosis she's days from death tuberculosis totally fatal back then and she was basically dead meat finally gave in did a reading did the, did whatever it was that he he said in a trance the family wrote it down and did it and she was better oh they all faked it they all faked it they're all charlatans for no reason for no reason they did all that just so like two schlubs from san diego could talk well, about yeah, it yeah dude 100 on. years later right <laughs> give me a break dude no you need uh, to not laugh about this and actually look into so it. you're saying that he was you actually open your mind life. and be objective and fucking look into this objectively and tell me come back and tell me this guy was a complete piece of shit charlatan that's not what i said all fucking bullshit that's not what i said that's totally what you said no yeah it's totally i just i just think i can hear I just, it in your voice you think it's a joke I just think that it's it would be incorrect to assume that if he did this for 30 years, that he wasn't reading stuff and being exposed to ideas. Now, he no, started of course, with... No, of course he was reading okay. stuff exposed to ideas, but you're he would have to do so much. How was he doing this, is what I'm saying. Like, how was he actually doing this? Look, if dude, if I want to become a fisherman and I want to learn how to fish and how to maintain a boat, I'm going to 
do what I can. I'm going to hang out with people and talk to people about this stuff so I can learn. That's what you would do, right? He's got people bringing okay, him so around. You, and so, okay. So you're saying that when someone handed him a book and he slept on it and the next day he could recite the book, he knew everything in the book, even the pictures in the book. You're saying that he knew beforehand which book was going to be handed to him had already read and memorized the entire book front to back and then just by accident someone handed him that book and then he slept on it woke up and could recite it because he was so good at what he was doing he hypnotized he gave a suggestion to that person to use that book sometime in the future to hand to him and then he could play it as some sort of gimmick right that's pretty fucking good. Now, if he did all That's that, not quite what I said, <laughs> but no, that he would have had to have done that. But if he could actually do all of that, that I just stated, then he's even more amazing than he apparently was. That's even more impressive. That's like fucking Copperfield making the Statue of Liberty disappear, dude. That's amazing shit. By the way, how did he do that? No idea. We should ask Joe Nickel. Joe Nickel would know. But no, how did he, how did he make the Statue of Liberty disappear? I have no idea. Like all around, like everyone, there's a big crowd there and it was on TV and it, and it disappeared. Or like when he has a Humvee on top of a building and he has a crowd all around in a circle, he puts a thing over it and then pulls it away and the Humvee's gone. People are walking around where the Humvee was and there's no trap door. Just how does he do that? There's no mirrors anywhere. It's really weird, dude. You're what right. You're right. Is with this guy? He was a total charlatan. He's all full shit. This is all yeah. bullshit. What do you think? So he, the kid was seeing stuff as a kid. He was seeing his dead grandfather or whoever he got hit in the head with the baseballs dad beat the shit out of him he made it all up no he did he's that's all a, god he a... was all mr god he was all mr god and he thought you know how can i be like better than everyone else and uh and i'm gonna i'm gonna play the nice honest decent guy my whole life and uh, i'm gonna say no the shit and either. i'm gonna make i'm <laughs> not gonna make any money off of this stuff so it'll make me look pure of heart and that's gonna help me win that girl i really have a crush on the prettiest girl in town and boom he does it and goes oh this shit works and uh and he does little sleight of hand things and um he tricks people around him people he cares about and he tricks him into believing that he's actually he, and he's just making shit up on the fly, pretending like he's in a trance. And for some reason, the first couple of times, just by intuition and logic, he happens to hit it right on the nail. These people actually listen to him and they believe him and they do it. And holy shit, he's surprised to himself. Oh, that fucking worked. And then he runs with it. And somehow he hits a mark 80, 90% of the time with the, with the medical treatments. And then he goes, I'm just going to make some predictions. Who's going to know it's way in the future. Right. And it happens to get 80% of those rights somehow. And uh, he, he's not going to know that because he's already dead, died poor. And, but we're talking about him now. So he wins. Okay. All right. Well, there you go then. That sounds just as plausible as he actually was doing something incredible. I don't know, dude. I'm just saying flat out. I don't fucking know about this guy. I don't know about this guy. It's like David, David Copperfield. Or it's like Travis Walton is the, the most amazing magician that ever lived, you know, creating this whole like UFO hoax. Five guys actually believe this shit that he actually was hit by some beam from something in the air and he vanished for five days, showed up with stubble, like confused, dazed, emaciated. But he did that to himself just to be just to be seen as telling the truth. And he's convinced everybody that he loves around him that this actually happened. You know, just to prove to the world that it actually happened when he knows that it hasn't, because he's the most amazing magician that ever lived. Maybe Casey's the other one. Who knows? I don't fucking know, dude. It's unexplainable to me. I don't think he was a charlatan, though. I think there's something weird about it. I don't think that 
fucking website does him any just justice because i i saw it and i was just like this is all bullshit oh, that's the thing that's this why is I go all to all this woo-woo shit you know oh that was total bullshit a lot of it's all bullshit get in touch with your inner self and, and and blah 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 and all this like meditation stuff and it's like that's not i mean he, he didn't he he put himself into a state of self-hypnosis initially to try to cure his own laryngitis that was all he was doing but you could also say, and this is this is valid, that he was working with his dad and probably was his dad seemed like kind of a dick, dude. And he probably didn't really like working with his dad. So he totally could have just faked the laryngitis to not have to work with his dad and then go do something else, which was photography. And then it all just snowballed from there. So, yeah, could have been that. Oh, what a tangled web we weave. We first we practice to deceive. So the conclusion we're coming to is that Dan is actually part of the KC Society, and I think it's all bullshit. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end it, dude. We're getting long in the tooth here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, this is interesting. I mean, it goes back to, you know, what you attribute importance to, you know, and some people say this recount or that recount, you know, is what's what the, the detail they latch on to. You know, the, some of the stuff you mentioned, I forgot you mentioned that, and, you know, it throws doubt into it but anytime i start seeing some of this language used about these techniques and different things that's where it sort of turns me off and kind of uh mr science base there's so much out there you can't explain there just really is you know what i think is the most amazing part of this whole story though this is the dude who invented pit i played that game all, all the time with people when i was growing up fucking pit with the bell ding you get pit fucking pit ding that was him so that's what i'm taking out of this fucking edgar casey invented the game pit and never got a dime for that either we'll see you next week thanks for listening everyone